and welcome to episode number 109 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson, where we go down all of the big bets, all the big news, all the big happenings in this crazy gambling industry. Guys, we are on Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Go in, subscribe, rate, and review. We really do appreciate everything that you guys leave for us there at the Lions US, at PlayPixUS on Twitter. You want to follow me and Brett at Brett Colson, at Matt Brown M2. We'll talk a little bit about Bryson DeChambeau and what he is doing. Of course, the golf tournament coming up this weekend, Workday Charity Open, which he is not in, actually. We'll take a look at that one. We'll talk about baseball. What's going on with all of that? Is there anything that we can pull from the news coming out of there to help us with our futures bets? UFC 251 is this weekend from quote-unquote Fight Island over there Uh in Dubai. NFL preseason, talk about that a little bit. WSOP has given out some bracelets online right now, and then we'll end things with a little bit of fantasy talk. But, Brett, let's kick things off here with, you know, probably the most important thing that happened this weekend, which was a a bunch of guys eating hot dogs as fast as they can over the course of 10 minutes. And, oh, by the way, New Jersey allowed you to bet on it this year. Yeah, New Jersey and I think Colorado and another state as well. I was surprised they kind of dropped this on us late last week. I wasn't I wasn't expecting it. You know, DraftKings was it two years ago they talked about offering this and we all kind of joked about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But here, I mean, here it was Saturday. You could bet on whether Joey Chestnut would win the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. And he did, of course. What was he? Minus twelve, minus twelve hundred or something. Yeah, stupid? he was like a massive thing. I think most of the bets came in on the over under, which right. they set at like seventy three and a half. And the reason they did that is he ate seventy four last year, and he said he was really going to try to set the world record this year. So basically, it came down to could he get to seventy five? You know, because that's what he was going for, which is what he actually it ultimately settled on was was getting seventy five hot dogs in um you know outside of it being the grossest thing that happens on television every <laughs> single year um the other thing that i really hate is that they that they call it a sporting event like come on man like this is not a sport has never been a sport will never be a sport so let's not confuse things here it is a contest that they you are able to wager on i get it but i mean come on there are people who are literally coming out and trying to compare this to 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 actual real athletes brett and this makes me just want to cry yeah i have friends who troll me saying that golf isn't a sport look if golf isn't a sport then i don't know what it, this what the what is it what i don't know what this is like no this is nothing even remotely close to a sport and then he, here's the thing we've been asking for more exotic betting markets from the legal regulators because it helps yeah. weed out the offshores who offer markets on everything so as long as the books are dil- diligent about it and capping limits and tracking Same. action as it comes in i think it's it. fine but it's silly, but it's fine. Yes, it's, it's yeah, silly, it, yeah. but it's fine. Yeah, well, what's, I don't want people to think that we're like that we're poo pooing it or anything. No, I just think it's, it's silly. Like yeah, I, it, whatever, whatever you want to do with your twenty dollars and sit there and try not to throw up watching these guys like shove this stuff down their gullet. Then you know whatever. That's that's fine. the thing. Like it, you can't even really sweat it because the event is absolutely grotesque so like do people actually sit there and watch this guy eat hot dogs counting as he gets to 75 i i'm sure there are people out there who love it and i'm glad they can now get action down on it but that ain't for me i did not watch i've never watched that thing look look, man it is like it's one of those deals where i'm watching on twitter and people are kind of giving the play-by-play and i'm like man you 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 got you got a better stomach than i do because it like what like they're just sweating. Like I did see like the, cause somebody put a clip through the Twitter or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, it, it, 
like they're like sweating. Like, I mean, you could just tell like they're, they're dying in there. Cause they're like, they're hot and like the, the pain and anguish on their face because they're just having to shove these things down their throat. But I did, I did hear his like post contest interview, which I'll say was pretty funny. He was literally talking about how the conditions, because they were inside this year, as opposed to outside that the conditions quote unquote were better, but without the crowd noise, uh, egging him on that he definitely didn't feel as pumped up and that he felt like the crowd noise certainly helped him out in the competition. And then he also brought up, which actually made me kind of chuckle out loud with uh, fewer contestants this year, because obviously since they were indoors and yada, 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 you know, and all with, with, with COVID that's going on, they didn't allow as many people this year as they, as they typically do. And so, since they were cooking fewer hot dogs than in years past, Brett, he said that uh, these were cooked better to, and, and, and that these were uh, th- that they were cooked very, very well. And he really did enjoy that uh, the hot dogs were, were cooked better this year. And he uh, contributed that to uh, attributed that to the fact that they didn't have to cook as many this year. So they were a little bit more fresh. These are the things that betting touts were trying to figure out before this event. Like there were there were touts <laughs> online giving their analysis of these things like they knew what kind of impact they would have on the result. Just bet the overs. This guy's going to crush it. If, if he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. So I, right. I, there, you know, there are these sharp betters, sharp, sharp betters out there betting <laughs> unders on Joey Chestnut thinking it's, it's, you know, because all the money's coming in the over. Well, I mean, he's, he's going he's gonna to hit the overs, guys. And also, I mean, the governing body is themselves. So, I mean, if he even got close to that 75 number, considering he was trying for the new world record, they were going to count it. You know what I'm saying? Like they were not going to yeah. penalize him. If only like, like if a piece of bun had fallen out of his mouth or whatever <laughs> in the hell it was like, you know, like he was, he was going to get there no matter what, like they were not going to keep him from getting there. They wanted to so, yeah. set it. It's the headlines. Of right? course. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Like Joey Chestnut sets new world record. I mean, that's what it's all about. Hopefully, uh, Hopefully uh, we never have to talk about hot dog eating on this podcast again until next July 5th or 6th or whatever it is. Well, next year we'll, so. well, next year we'll have baseball and other things to talk about. Yeah, that's true. We got this that's out true. of the way. It's the first year they allowed it in the U.S. <laughs> and now we don't have to talk about it ever again. There it is. Uh, what we do and will talk about a ton on this podcast looks to be uh, Bryson DeChambeau. Now, we talked about this two weeks ago on the pod and hopefully you guys, uh, actually this was, uh, no, four weeks ago now at this point uh, on the pod. And hopefully you guys kind of went along with us here. And basically we said, look, bet Bryson DeChambeau top tens. It's a printing press. The guy is playing more consistent golf than anybody in the world right now. You could basically put kind of him and Webb Simpson up there as being the most consistent players in the world right now, Brett. And sure enough, I mean, we talked about, uh, you know, three weeks ago, how I I won all the money in in golf. And then we we weren't here last week, but certainly wanted to give you prop you binked a tournament over on yahoo golf as well and uh you won all the money and last it, week on guess, on guess golf was and then, guess who was on my team bryson DeChambeau. yeah i know and then here we are this week again and you know i didn't want to get the fomo on bryson i did go in and then bet him to take this thing down in the fourth round whenever we were going in i mean look he was only at like six to one heading into the whole tournament and I was able to get him at a little over two to one heading into the heading into day four. Right. So, I mean, I don't even feel like I got robbed all that much. I just went in, bet him at plus two twenty to win the whole thing on day four. And I mean, I was, I was not going to say it was a lock Brett because Wolf is certainly incredibly talented, but Wolf is still one year on tour Bryson and the way that he's playing right now, you're going to give me plus two twenty 
in basically him versus wolf. And then I also took him in a heads up, which they featured him versus wolf in a heads up also took, took him in that as well. And I mean, you just look here and he's not in the field this, this week. So that we can't really apply this to this week and certainly we'll get back to it when he is, but you have to start looking at these things and, and if you want to make money playing golf, we keep saying over and over again, I mean, yeah, you can bet outrights and it's certainly great to to hold up a ticket when you hit an outright. I mean, when I hit the Webb Simpson at 28 to one, yeah, it felt great, you know, whatever, being to $2,800 score and, and, and that's, that's fun and all, but really you make golf by betting these top tens, top twenties, these head to heads, these groups and things like that. And man, Bryson is about as sure a bet as you can get right now. Yeah, and so now the question is, all right, he's, he's had six straight top tens on tour. Is there still value on him? And I think the crazy thing is, I think there probably is because he has haters who refuse to bet on him. You know, I was, I was hesitant last week. It was his fourth straight week. You know, you worry about the possible fatigue and that heat, but this guy is a machine. Like, he's an actual robot. In every way he prepares for the game of golf, physically and mentally. The mental part, he's been mastering for years. Now, physically, he's a completely different golfer than he was just like eight months ago. And that's showing. In, in he's proving that accuracy off the tee does not matter when you can hit the ball 20 yards farther than everyone else. Like, he doesn't hit fairways. It doesn't, but it doesn't matter because he's still leaving himself with a higher percentage shot out of the, the rough than the guy who's like, got a 200 plus yard approach shot it's unbelievable what he's doing yeah and i mean you don't really have to hit fairways whenever you're hitting greenside bunkers on a par four um which he did twice i might add uh, in this tournament uh hitting at 390 yard par four and hitting it up there about 377 into these greenside bunkers and then just like i mean and these guys are so good from the sand these days that like that's almost an automatic birdie you know i mean like they're it's that's the other thing i think we 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 get so and i do it too i mean look these these drives and every the things the guys are hitting these days and how long they're hitting these you know eight and nine irons and stuff like that it almost goes by the wayside like how good they are to the bunkers too i mean like it, it, it the sand is a penalty on some courses strictly because of how they've, they've rigged up these bunkers. But Brett, if you, I mean, you see it just like I do. I don't, when, when a guy that I'm sweating, whether it be, I got a bet on him or DFS, whatever it might be, if he ends up in a bunker, it doesn't even bother me anymore because these guys are so good out of the bunkers. Like it yeah, doesn't even are. really bother me. Like it's, I'm just kind of like, Oh, okay, well, whatever he's in the bunker. Yeah, it's yeah, definitely. It, 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 and Bryson, I, Bryson's just so good at everything. And he always has been good at everything. He's just he's taken his game to the next level. I mean, he, he ranked 137th in fairways gained last week, but he was still first in strokes gained off the tee because of how hard he hits the ball. It's 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 incredible, man. He's he's studied all this. He's perfecting it. And now he's dominating the tour and the he books. gets that little short iron game too. If he, if he actually dials that in because he was having to hit some bomb putts, right? Like what yeah. he did. I mean, but, but I mean, think if those, think of those 18 footers become seven footers and, and nine footers and 11 footers as opposed to 18 and 22 footers, you know, it's going to be crazy. Yeah. He's still getting better at this, this new, yeah. this new game. He keeps getting better every single week. But so I think you pointed out like the main point for, for, for betters here. And that's the fact that, people hate him so much because of his attitude and like, oh, you yeah. know, he got such a bad rap because of the slow play and all the different things like that. And the, I know some people don't like him strictly because of that cappy wears and stuff. <laughs> like, like I think that's going to be better for us, right? We I can continue so, yeah. to bet him. I, we can continue to pound him and we're going to sit 
sit there and just and, and reap the benefits. I mean, there is going to be a week when he doesn't play well and 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 that's going to be a week that we might get wiped out. But we've already profited. If you just played him the first four weeks here, like if you just played him in head to heads, if you bet him top tens, if you bet him top fives, all these things like that, if you, if you just did that over um, over the first four weeks here, you almost can't lose money on him the rest of the <laughs> the rest of the season because he's been so incredibly good. So, um, and, and let, let's go ahead and say this as, too, Brad. I mean, like, look, just because a guy took three months off and put on a little bit of weight doesn't automatically mean he took performance enhancing drugs. Like, no, there's blowhards out there, and I'll it, he's a friend of ours, so I can say it. Matt Peralt coming out. Oh, we need a drug test and we need to whatever and all this. Like uh, people need to be tested on the PGA tours. Like it's one guy, by the way, who like went out and like has has done this to his body. I mean, I guess Tiger did it back in the day, but not even anywhere close to this form. I mean, Tiger was basically just the first one who decided I need to actually get in shape. But I mean, Tiger's not was never like swole up like Bryson is or anything like that. So there's like one guy that's done it. And now, oh, he's automatically on PEDs and we you know, got to get everyone checked and yada, yada, yada. It's like, give me a friggin' break. Like you give me, give me 90 days. I can put on 10, 12 pounds of muscle and I'm a nobody. We're talking about a professional athlete who has the best nutritionists and trainers and science and all these things that are going on behind it. It's not that it's not out of the ordinary for someone to be able to do that, especially when they have nothing else better to do. And everything I've read about Bryson, too, he seems like the guy who looks for every edge within the rule book. I mean, he is a golf nerd. He's always referencing the history of the game. I can't I can't see him cheating the game like that. Obviously, I could be wrong. And the, and the fact that he he couldn't do the math on his calorie intake during a press conference last week doesn't really help his case. I found that really weird. The guy's like taking in 6,000 calories, but he only added up like 3,000 last week. So that was, that was a little weird. Uh, but I would be surprised if he is actually on PEDs. I mean, look, he, he has, he's balked up and that does improve his swing speed. He's certainly figured that out, but it's also his technique and mechanics. And then that's what people don't credit him with. He studies everything. He balked up because he did the math and figured out how to create the perfect swing. And that's what yeah, he's doing. And the other thing that people don't aren't taking into account here is the fact that, I mean, traditionally the thought was in golf is that you didn't want to be bulked up because it was a hindrance as opposed to an actual benefit here. And there were a lot of people, a lot of smarter people than you and I, who basically said that, that tiger broke down because of him putting on all that muscle and all that weight and not being able to figure out how to properly use it. Right. And like, and that's what we will see when it comes down to Bryson here. Right. I mean, because look, we're only, a few months into this whole experiment that he's got going on. I mean, the, as violently as he swings, Brad, I mean, who knows, maybe in two years we're talking about him breaking down too, because your body just can't physically handle that week in week out. I mean, I'm, I'm glad he's taken this week off actually, because after playing a month straight, I got to think that his body needs a, a little bit of winding down. Right. I mean, like you would think that he would need a little bit of a break. Yeah, I, I I was a little surprised at first, but yeah, he he, he definitely needed a week off. He's got to be back next week, though, right? You would think, but would I he mean, be? Would he be the, uh, I mean, this pretty good field this week. Would he would be the favorite this week, right? I would think so for sure. Like I would think so for sure, and that's actually a perfect segue here to to where we are with the Workday Charity Open here. I mean, Justin Thomas comes in as the betting favorite over on DraftKings at eleven to one. So, and now this is a stronger field. Don't get me wrong, but if it gives you any idea, you know, Bryson was kind of in that all the way down to five and a half for a little bit and, you know, six, six and a half to one 
was where he ultimately was kind of heading into that tournament. Again, stronger field in this in this one, but Justin Thomas, your betting favorite at 11 to 1, can't lay at 13 to 1, Rom 13 to 1, Kepka and Matsuyama and Shoffley all come in at 17 to 1 and then it takes a big big jump. Uh Victor Hovland 26 to 1, Justin Rose 26 to 1, Fowler 28 to 1 and then from there everybody is 30 to 1 or longer. Um Brett, one of the things I wanted to talk about here, and this was a tweet that came through from Justin Bailey, and you know, you you and I have been watching Hovland here for for a while, but again, granted, one, this is our job, and two, we're kind of golf nuts as it is anyway. But I was very high on Hovland's potential and his and what he could possibly do on tour, and then I see this where they tweet out uh, his strokes gain t to green. Last 50 rounds, fourth in the world. Last 24 rounds, sixth in the world. Last 12 rounds, first. Last eight rounds, first. Last four rounds, first in the world. Now, that is courtesy of our friends over at Fantasy National here. Hovland, 26 to 1 to win this thing, uh, 6 to 1 for a top five, 3 to 1 for a top 10. When we're talking outrights here at 26 to 1, again, I don't bet a ton of outrights in golf. But uh, Hovland here in this field, the way he's playing and getting 26 to 1, you might actually see me kind of throw a little money on Hovland this week. Yeah, it seems fine. I mean, Tita Green, I would put him up against anyone here at the top of this. Thomas, Cantlay, Rom, Kepka, Shirley. Hideki's right up there, too. But I mean, Hovland, Tita Green is phenomenal. He can't putt at -hmm. all. And that's, you know, that will come. He's only 21 years old. It'll come. But he is, I mean, it's, it's a really tough sweat with Hovland too if you bet him because he his proximity is tremendous but he can't he can't make putts outside of like seven feet so right it's I to totally me, get I feel it, like the value is more on 26 to one to win right than it would even be on like six to one for a top five because I feel like if he's if he's kind of up there battling he's he's going to be in it to win it or he's probably just going to play Poorly, like you mentioned, like he's going to get no putts to drop like whatsoever. Right. I mean, it's one of those things where I don't know if he's necessarily more your top five type guy or if if, if the putts are actually dropping. As you mentioned, he probably just wins the damn thing. You know, it's like it's because he just needs to make some damn putts. Yeah. If he ends up positive in in strokes, strokes game putting, he could win the tournament. But it's such a rare thing for him. It's really, really tough for him. It, it definitely is. I mean, if you guys are are kind of wondering uh, about this one, we got about 156 players in the field here. Top 65 and ties make the cut for this one. Um, what do you think about this uh, field in general? Is there anybody that's jumped out to you? Do you think any of the odds are off on any of these guys? You know, last week we posted an article at the lines looking we're looking for the next Dustin Johnson. You know, the guy whose market value has plummeted because of poor recent play, but he has the pedigree and the upside to win a tournament every time he steps on the course. Last week we wrote about Ricky Fowler as that guy. I thought Hideki was in a similar spot last week. This week, I, I kind of like Benny Ann, but it's it's only Monday. I haven't really t- taken a deep dive into the metrics. But you're talking about a guy here who has been getting absolutely slaughtered by his putter since the restart. Uh, three starts, he got 60th, missed cut, 46th. He took last week off, but uh, I love the course fit. And he's been a monster at this course over the years. 17th, 2nd, 25th, 11th in four starts. He's one of the best on the tour in par 72 events at this length. He hits fairways. So I like Benny Ann at 70 to 1. Um, that's if you like a long shot. 
I like the Hovland pick because, I mean, that guy it just takes like even just two rounds where he catches fire with the putter. He's in play. Um, and then maybe Gary Woodland. I think I think, I think I think I saw Woodland at 50 to one in one of the books. He's 35 at DraftKings. If you can get a good good price on Gary Woodland, another good guy, uh, Tita Green, who has kind of fallen off the radar here with some poor play of late. Yeah, if you guys are going to do kind of your research here, Muirfield Village is the course. It's a par 72. Going to play about 74-56 on that one. Bent grass. Greens, past winners here. Cantlay, DeChambeau, Duffner, and then William McGirt um, is the uh, is your winner there in 2016. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I was looking at, at this, Brad. I, I think I'm going to throw something down on Hovland. One of the things I did see that I kind of liked as well, you mentioned Ricky Fowler. I think his game is kind of rounding out there a little bit as well. Now, not necessarily for an outright win here, but he's definitely a guy I could see myself taking in some uh, in some top 10s, some top 20s uh, bets. You can even bet top 30s and top 40s over at DraftKings, but it looked like he started to kind of figure things out and get things back going for him finished up really really solid there this past weekend and uh, nice momentum as we head into to this one as well what are your thoughts on Adam Hadwin um just in just in when we look at like you know five five to one in the top 10 and then 10 to one in the top five I mean again we always love these outrights but I mean when we look at five to one to even get in the top 10 10 to one to get in the top five, um, pretty good numbers right there on Hadwin. I try not to get caught up in the recent play. Like he's been playing so well that his price is a little inflated for me for this course. So I, I, I think I'd be off Hadwin. I don't know. How do you feel about like recent, like recent play versus like course fit? So I'm, I typically I would go with I do actually tend to lean more towards towards course fit or whatever than I do recency bias. But look, man, with golf, the way that they're playing right now and with the no, you know, with the no fans and the different Mm -hmm. ways that that they have to go in about everything and all that, I'm guessing. And again, this is just pure speculation. We have nothing to pull from because our sample size is four weeks here. but. I'm guessing that some people are able to handle this better than others. And again, that is just pure speculation, but the, the silence, the not having to get caught up in, in the moment and with emotions and kind of being able to having to write yourself and different things like that. Like I, I'm guessing that maybe momentum here, if you will, recent form, recency, however you want to look at it, you know, whatever it might be, might actually play a little bit more of a role. But again, that's just speculation. And there's nothing that I have other than just a gut feeling here because I'm not out there on tour. I'm not playing in these empty courses. I don't know what's going on. It just, you know, as as much of a mental game as golf is, and then with all the crap that's going on in the world and then the different playing conditions and all the stuff like that, I just, I kind of do feel like some people might be able to handle that better than others. Yeah, I think you're right. It's just weird to see a guy like Adam Hadwin here, the same price range as a Mark Leishman or a Jordan Spieth or a Bubba uh, guys. I mean, Mark Leishman is one of my favorite guys to play every week. So I, I would have a hard time taking Hadwin <laughs> over a Mark Leishman this week. But yeah, I mean, if you, if you believe it, if you're buying in the momentum and then, you know, the differences in the course today versus a few months ago. Yeah, sure. Why not? The um the other things here, you know, some of these head to heads that I that I talked about. And one of the first things that jumps out to me 
Uh, you're going to have to pay a little bit, but Brooks Kepka over Justin Rose over at DraftKings. Now he is minus 137, so you are going to have to pay. But uh, this we talked about this on the pod a few weeks ago as well. Actually, we mentioned Dustin Johnson too. I mean, man, this I guess we're just sitting here patting ourselves on the back all podcast. But I mean, we we talked about Kepka coming into form, and then he looked really well. I mean, uh, looked really uh, into form as well his last time out. So I think he's kind of rounding into form as well, Brett. And, you know, we've, we've talked about in, in the past about him really not taking the non-majors as seriously. But, you know, with the way things are going right now and with the uncertainty of, you know, how many tournaments are even going to be able to be played this season, of course, you know, they could cancel the damn tour at any time. I don't think that's really the case with with Brooks and and I really liked what I saw from him last time out and you know getting him in a head to head against Justin Rose certainly something I'm going to be getting in the account. Yeah, I think I said it a few weeks ago on the podcast. He looks pissed off that he hasn't won in a while. So he he I think there's some added motivation there in these secondary events. So he might treat some of these like a major uh but I kind of, I don't know. I kind of like Rose this week. And if you go over to play picks, our, our writer, Esten, uh, actually picked Rose to win. So that's, I think I would take the plus. We might have to make a little side bet on that one. I kind of like oh, the plus like, money there. All right. Let's, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll definitely do that. We'll do that for some, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do that whenever we can finally get together again. We'll have to do that for a couple of cocktails. Uh, yeah, yes. I'll take, I'll take Kepka at 137. You can have Rose at 110 here. The other one that, um, the other one that definitely stood out to me as well. And I just, you know, maybe I'm just a sucker for how well he's been playing lately, but it all seems to be kind of flowing for him. Now he's not going to never really threatening to win a tournament, but I also like Varner over Domin. Um, Varner got to play a little bit of juice there as well. It seems like that one has moved um, since I looked at it this morning where it was, <laughs> it was 110 on both sides. Now it's 120 and, and, and even money um, people betting on Varner here. But uh, another guy that I know you like as well, just uh, very, very consistent. And that's what I really look for in these head to heads is just, I want to know that you're going to go out there and make the cut. And I'm not dead in these head to heads basically after two rounds. And, you know, th- that's a lot of the, lot of the way that I look at, at betting these head to heads and, and Varner been super, super consistent out there on tour so far since the restart. It's easy to make the cut when you're the first round leader every week. I mean, it seems like this guy's always out early on Thursday. So, and head to heads. Yeah, I, I can, I can get behind that for sure. Dame has been playing well. But I would I would take Varner there. Yeah, definitely. So those those will be in my account for sure. And any other ones, um, maybe we'll add to something over on uh, over on Play Picks or up on the YouTube channel uh, as well. But just uh, those are the things that we'll be we'll be speculating on uh, this week. Let's head over to Major League Baseball, and you know this is supposed to be happening, Brad. In a couple of weeks, we're supposed to be having real games go down. That being said, what continues to trickle out week. Uh, actually, not week after week, day after day here is guys that have opted out of the season. Ryan Zimmerman's not going to play. Felix Hernandez is not going to play. David Price, Ian Desmond, Nick Markakis. These guys have all already come out and said that they are going to opt out. The big looming one out there that everyone's really keeping an eye on is Mike Trout. And the reason you would say, well, what's what's going on with Trout? Well, he is awaiting a child and he has said that, you know, no matter what, he's going to go for the birth of the child. But then there's, you know, still the looming decision of whether he's going to play at all because does he want to put his wife in that situation? Does he want to put his other kids in that situation? Whatever it might be. Uh, Mike Trout kind of looming out there. 
with these players pulling out and with like some of these big names looming, Brad, is there anything that we can take from any of this as betters? Is there anything like, would you now fade the angels knowing that at the very least you're going to be without Mike Trout for two weeks of an, of a 60 game season. Have we seen any odds move on the angels yet? I don't, I haven't checked. If we, if there's been movement, I think I would be more inclined to bet on the angels just because I, I don't know. Like I don't, even if, I mean, if he, if he opts out, then yeah, obviously that team is dust, but if you can get a good price on them right now, I think there's the, the chance that he plays far outweighs the chance that he opts out. So I, I definitely think he doesn't opt out, but I guess my question would be is if he's saying no matter what, he's going to go for the birth of the child and you have to assume that they're going to do some sort of quarantine program. Right. If you are to leave, you know, the, the protocol, then he's going to miss what? eight minimum games of a 60 game season, if not more, maybe, you know? Uh, so I don't know. I, it, to me, especially now you're looking at like American league MVP odds yeah, and, and trout being two to one, like he can't win the MVP if he misses eight games. Like he, I mean, you, you just can't I mean, do it. I don't think in a 60 game season, right? He, I mean, he missed like 30 games last year and still won. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he can't. Well, yeah, can but do I trout. Yeah, I mean, but I, out I'm of with a, you though. I'm yeah, with you. like out of a because it's just going to be looked at under a microscope a lot more when there's only 60 games right. to pull from, right? Like, and so I don't know that that was the first thing that came to mind to me is like, okay, is there value betting any of these other dudes that are out there? You know, I mean, because it is literally trout at two to one and then goes all the way to eight to one for Aaron Judge, 10 to one for Lindor, Rendon at 14, Bregman at 20. So you kind of look at that and you start to go, Oh, okay. Well, that's pretty interesting. You know, that, that Trout's two to one and then all these other guys get really long, really quick. So yeah, for me, I would kind of be looking in that crazy range over here in some of these other guys that might be able to like, just go on a hot streak and come out of nowhere, especially over in the AL for MVP. So guys, if you're kind of starting to grind that stuff here, as we approach baseball season, I mean, any of these dudes you know, Otani sitting at 30 to one, Brad, I mean, what if he goes out there and yeah. wins six games pitching and hits 310 and, and hits a few home runs to go along with it and whatever and all that. I mean, like, well, especially, that's, that's a, yeah, especially if Terrell misses time and Otani carries that team to a playoff berth. Yeah. That's a nice little leverage play off of Mike Trout, I guess. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, it's, it's, and he would, and, and if you, yeah. And if you think the angels are going to be good, then you almost are making a correlated bet in yeah. Otani to win the MVP because, as you mentioned, he he would have to be really good over the two weeks that Trout's not there. So, I mean, yeah, 30 to 1 there on Otani is pretty interesting when that kind of jumps out as well. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, are we – are we assuming that there's going to be an MLB season here? <laughs> I guess that's what we're I doing. I don't know, right? man. I mean, we're seeing yes, but we're seeing all these big names test positive. Joey Gallo today just tested positive. Freddie Freeman, like DJ LeMahieu, Charlie Blackman, all these guys tested positive for COVID. I don't know what that means. Are they going to be ready for the season? I don't know. So I. Yeah. I this is why we've said it all along. Like leagues needed to prepare for positive test results because it's unavoidable like players are going to test positive and miss time but 
and now we're now today we're seeing hiccups in the intake testing. Like teams have had to cancel workouts on Monday because test results haven't come back yet. It's kind of a mess. And where does that leave us as sports betters? I guess just buying into the chaos and getting exposure yeah. to some of these long shots who could capitalize on the unpredictive nature of this short season. And and that's, I know we keep beating that drum here on the pod, but I just want to drive it home because I think probably people are going to be getting a little bit more serious about betting some of these things now that, you know, at least the, the season is, is kind of in front of us here. I mean, you know, again, fingers, fingers crossed, but there is going to be someone test positive over the course of the season. There is going to be some sort of injury over the course of the season. And with how short the season is, it's going to eliminate that player. I mean, that player is going to be wiped out here. So I think kind of the, along the lines that we were even talking about on the uh, Otani type of thing, is there a line of thinking that you can use guys as you move into these betting things with anything that's offered over at DraftKings, home run leader, hits leader, stolen base leader, whatever it might be, any of the stuff like that to where you say, if this happens, then this, it could lead to this. And then that maybe would be how you would go about picking kind of your long shot ticket, right? I mean, don't, don't just blindly pluck a, a, a long shot out of the air just because you, 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 you think it's cool or something, you know, oh, I think this guy, I mean, this, this, this number just looks wrong. So I'm going to pluck it out of the air. Like we did it in, uh, you know, in two seconds here, kind of adding two and two to get four with the Otani thing. Okay. Trout misses time. Trout misses time. If the angels play well, then that means Otani is going to have to do well, not only on the mound, but also uh, with the bat as well. And that could definitely lead him to like an MVP and being in that discussion. And now you're looking at a dude at 30 to one that can make a whole lot of sense if he's able to get his team into the playoffs. And so I think if you can kind of start connecting those dots along the way and doing that with some of these other longer shot bets, that at least you have a reason for why you're holding that ticket. And it wasn't just a dart throw. Yeah. And another reason to eye some of these long shots is the money coming in on the Yankees to win the world series, which is just baffling to me because the Yankees are priced the same now as they were before they shortened the season. We're talking about a huge difference. I was looking at fan graphs this morning. They had a the they had the Yankees at a 25% chance that they don't make the playoffs in this shortened season. That was only 10% for the full 162 game season. So why why would you pay this inflated price on the Yankees to win it all when the price hasn't moved and they got a far less chance of making the playoffs. I don't, I don't get it. I understand like the, the regional bias with the Yankees and New Jersey and like people want to bet their team, but I feel like fading the Yankees and going with some of these long shots is, is a, just a far better play because you're not paying that inflated price. Head on over to the lines as well, guys. I've, I did put up a video of three uh, rookie of the year bets that I went ahead and put into my account as well. If you want to take a look at those and maybe you might have an idea of, you know, if you want to get any of those into your account as well. But there is a a reason behind all three of the bets. And so that is uh, that, that's the reason that I went ahead and got those into the account. So you can take a look at that video over there. UFC 251 comes to us this weekend, Brad, from, you know, again, quote unquote, Fight <laughs> Island over there in, in Abu Dhabi. Um, there are some promos and all that running for it as well. So head to the line, sign up at any of our sports book offers over there because people are going to be pumping the hell out of this one. And look, rightfully so, 
it is a really good card for the UFC. There is a massive amount of star power on this one. And with that, you know, it's going to, it's going to get a lot of, I imagine ESPN is going to be pumping it up a, a ton as well. And then, you know, look, it, not a lot to bet on right now, not a lot going on out there. And so it's probably likely to draw a lot of casual attention as well. I mean, you are looking at a fight card that has three different, you know, uh, has a couple of different championship fights on it here in the welterweight and featherweight uh, championship fights that are going to be going on there. And, and I mean, so when you look at this, Brett, I mean, I, I, I take a look at this card and from top to bottom, I guess you just have to handicap it normally, you know, I mean, you can't assume that anything is going to be weirder for anybody else and all that. But I mean, listen, this is definitely a different circumstance here, right? I mean, like this is definitely a deal where these guys had to like start getting tested a couple of weeks ago. They had to kind of quarantine and isolate themselves. Now they're getting on a plane and flying over to Dubai where they're also getting kind of quarantined and isolated and getting tested all over the place and things like that. And so it is, it is not a typical fight week for any of these fighters. And, you know, will that come into play in, you know, as we sit here on Saturday night, I guess that's kind of the big question. Let me ask you this. Now that we have a, a mm-hmm. decent sample on UFC since it came back with all this handle coming in, a lot of casual betters finally like getting into UFC. Are you able to take anything away from the first few UFCs since the restart that you can take into this week? Do you think the casuals are betting a certain way that's driving the market? So I think what we've seen here and it, it is typical to, to a big fight weekend, but now we're basically seeing it on just a, on just any sort of fight weekend. And I imagine we'll see it again this weekend is, you know, people like to bet underdogs and people like to bet underdogs in these big fights and, and they like to parlay underdogs in these big fights and specifically because, you know, look, okay, let's go ahead and, and take a look here come Saturday night, right? I mean, we can look, there's, you know, th- so three different title fights on this one. There's going to be the the vacant title fight as well between Peter Yan and, and Jose Aldo. So you got Yan entering that one at minus 250. You have um, Usman who is, is, is going into that fight at minus 278 against Jorge Masvidal. So these, these guys are coming into these fights as pretty big favorites. And, you know, the casual fan, Brett doesn't have, the the cash right if you want to bet those two fights alone you're now betting over $500 to win 200 and to a casual fan that is not really uh, something that they can do right i mean it's just not in their it's not within their bankroll and just mentally it's not something they really enjoy doing and so instead you sit there and if you were to parlay Aldo and Mosfidal who are sitting at at 200 and 225 respectively now you're getting back 875 on your hundred, right? And that is just something that people like to make those bets and pray. And so what we end up getting is value on these favorites uh, closer to fight time. And then on top of that, it does benefit the bigger bankroll people. Um, you know, I happen to, you know, fortunately fall into that to where I'm able to bet these, these favorites whenever I feel like I'm getting a beneficial number. And I think that if you're out there and you're in that situation, especially 
in, you know, a couple of these, the couple of these fights, like especially the Jan and Usman fight. I like both of those favorites and I like both of those favorites a lot, but you know, you probably are going to get better numbers closer to whenever we get, uh, whenever we get closer to the fight. Interesting. I'll take your word for it. I, I don't recognize many names. I recognize Aldo. He's been around for a while, right? He has. I plan on, yeah, I plan if, if this is a really good card, I plan on watching this weekend. That's been a, it's been a few, t- a few fight nights that I've missed in a row, but um, yeah, this does look like a better card. Yeah, you should give this one. I mean, look, three different title fights on this one. Super, super talented fighters up and down the card here. So I would be kind of all over this one. The the women's strawweight bout, Jessica Andrade and, and Rose Namajunas. If you are kind of looking at that one, Rose is a big favorite in that one. I actually think I would take a flyer a little bit on Andrade and that one. Like, Rose is definitely the better fighter, but been a hot minute since she's been in the cage was kind of contemplating whether she wanted to retire and how she wanted to go kind of about her whole career and, and things like that. And so, um, you know, we're looking at, you know, May of 2019, the last time she fought, it was against Andrade and, and, and she lost. And so, uh, Andrade being the, the underdog here and with that type of power, you just don't see, in women's uh, in, in women's MMA in that division, a, a lot of knockouts, right, and just a lot of raw power, and that is certainly something that uh, Andrade has that a lot of people don't. And so, uh, at one sixty plus one sixty two, I'd probably go ahead and hop on that. I imagine that'll be a popular bet, and you probably won't be getting any better odds on her um, come come fight time. What? So uh, that's one of the dogs I like. What is this Rebus Van Zant fight minus eight thirty five? Yes, yes, yeah. So Paige Van Zant was a kind of the darling of the UFC there for a while and um lost a cup you know, lost like 3 of 4 and kind of fell out of, you know, kind of cont- certainly fell out of contention for any sort of title or anything like that and then there was some contract stuff going on different stuff like that. Basically she has definitely she's already said that she is going to be testing the free agent market. Hmm. And so when you go ahead and kind of make that be known, uh, Brett, what they do is they stick you in the cage with a killer. And so, um, so that is what, that's, uh, that's what's going on in this situation right here. It's like, okay, so this is definitely your last fight with us. Well, uh, good luck. (laughs) And so, uh, that's what's, uh, that's what's going on with that one. You don't want to bet page in that one. There's no doubt about it, but a really good card. Hopefully, uh, like I said, just just here, really do like Jan and and Usman as favorites here. Going to be looking for better numbers than what are out there currently right now. I think I'm going to take a flyer on Andrade again as the underdog there against Rose. I think Rose is better overall fighter, but knowing that knowing the type of power that Andrade has and not really knowing where Rose's headspace is going to be, I'll go ahead and take uh, I'll take the flyer on the dog there. Probably not for a lot, but. Uh, we'll we'll take a flyer for the dog. NFL preseason. We know one thing here, Brett. Two weeks are not going to happen. Are we even going to get a preseason at all? We know weeks one and four already canceled. Two and three seem to be uh, in line to happen as we sit here on July the sixth. But I guess we can't say that for certain either. I mean, knowing with that being the scenario, is there is there anything that we can take from this? Because I mean, I think this really just kind of for me anyway, strengthens what you and I were have been preaching since the beginning of the pandemic here when it came to football season was the fact that 
these veteran teams and teams that have been together and have a, you know, a, a cohesive offensive line for a few years, have the same quarterback, have the same system, have majority of the same working parts and things like that are going to be teams that I'm going to gravitate towards early in the season because now even less time to work together. We don't know how these offseason workouts are going to, to end up. We don't know how much time they're actually going to get together on the field before they take, you know, the, the first regular season game comes about. So really, I think this just kind of hammers home what we've been talking about here for the last, you know, six weeks. Is this something you're looking at for futures? Are you betting like week one, Lines, week two lines, week three lines right now? I have started to look at week one, two, and three lines, yes. I And, and, and mainly once this came out, this kind of really solidified where I want to focus a lot of effort. And, and, you know, you and I talked about it anyway, right? It was one of those things where we thought that there was going to be an advantage anyway, given the current climate of, of where we are in the world with these teams that might have been together as it was anyway. Well, now to now knowing there's going to be fewer preseason reps, there's going to be fewer reps for uh, these guys learning new teams and different things like that. It really, really does push me towards going to some of these teams here, especially in weeks one and two that have, that have been together, you know, and that have, and that know each other and know the systems and, and nothing's going to be too incredibly new coming in and um that's where you're probably going to find my money here so you've got kind of opposite ends of that with the the saints and bucks week one i mean the saints are only minus four they opened it what minus six yeah i feel like that's kind of where they should be right now i'm I'm low on the bucks as it is but you're going into you're going into the season with a quarterback who yes it's tom brady but he hasn't played a down with these guys he's played with gronk of course but we don't even know what gronk is right now so, right. I mean, that's that's one that I'd be looking at is Saints Bucks. I feel like that even without the, you know, the possibility of home field advantage there, I feel like the Bucks should be bigger dogs going into week one against a team like the Saints, which is the team, the exact prototype of team we're looking to take advantage of early in the season. It, the Saints, this will be the first. Yeah, this will be the first one in my account without a doubt, right? I mean, like that is exactly what we're talking about. A team that didn't have any sort of major overhaul that has all the key parts in place. And if anything might've gotten just a little bit better yeah. with the addition of a Manny Sanders, right? Like, and, and so um, with that perfect, perfect, like, yeah, you picked out the number one, number one spot right there for something that, that like what we're talking about. And so that for me, Huge, huge, huge. And then I'll tell you, um, I'm going to be looking here pretty closely and we'll see how things really play out. Might end up in my account as well is uh, the Lions as well against the Bears with all the shakeup there with the Bears, not even knowing who's going to be starting at quarterback for that team. Lions only uh, point and a half favorites against that Bears team. We know the Lions pretty much coming back. Um, if anything, same deal. You know, with 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 Stafford and and all that, I think that's another team here. How do you feel about your Bills against this Jets team here? I think that number, on the other hand, might be a little. Is that number a little big at six and a half? Yeah, it feels that way. I I think I feel like the Jets are being undervalued right now. I think they're better than the market is showing. So that might be, yeah, that might be a little high. I wouldn't be surprised if it got to seven, though. People are just so down on the Jets right now. Just going back to the Lions, I love the Lions this year. Yeah. I have, well, I, ha- I already have a lot of exposure to the Lions. Uh, so 
I'll probably get money down on that week one game too. Because, yeah, we don't know. If, if Nick Foles starts, is he going to start? I feel like Trubisky right. is going to, they're going to have to start Trubisky. And we know what he is. I, I know. I mean, I, I don't know. This to me seems like another one. Yeah, I just I think the Lions are just going to be a better team in general yeah. anyway. And then yeah. especially here in week one with like not really even knowing how this whole offense is going to to break down for the Bears. So those are definitely a couple spots I think that we'll be looking to get into our counts as well. And we'll be kind of we'll be looking at some of the other ones here over the coming weeks and certainly let you guys know which ones end up in our accounts here, uh, Brett, it's the summertime. Typically you and I would be talking about as they head into the main event of the world series here, how things are going to be breaking down. Of course, we know we could not get together this summer. So what the, what Caesars decided to do was put together an online world series of poker that started on the first. We are sitting here day six, as we tape this July the 6th and some bracelets have been, uh, started to be handed out here. Some big names have already kind of final tabled some of these events. You're, you know, our friend Tony Dunst has already final tabled an event. Some deep runs by some names that you definitely know in Phil Helmuth and Daniel Negreanu have already made a couple of deep runs in some of these events as well. So uh, WSOP already, you know, pretty massive prize pools actually in these events, considering the buy-ins are just, as we sit, 400, 500. There was a $1,000 event this past week, but majority of them sitting kind of in that 400, 500, $600 range. And still getting some pretty massive prize pools here, but really wanted to kind of take this just sideways here just for a second. And, and, you know, we talk about trying to grow, we talk about, spend a lot of time about growing sports betting. And, you know, as you mentioned, increasing the markets that are available help to dip into what is being funneled off the shore and things like that. That's why we're okay with taking the hot dog bets and the different things like that or whatever. Well, you know, look, you and I used to work in the poker industry, still, still obviously follow what's going on in the poker industry, still have friends that are deeply entrenched in the poker industry. And I would love to see online poker grow. I mean, there was nothing better than back in the day when, when you and I, you and I were able to fire up some tournaments on a Sunday and you could sit there and, and play a, a major tournament while you're watching your football on Sunday and things like that. I mean, those were, those were, those were amazing days. So I certainly want to see poker grow as well. And there was a meltdown during one of the online WSOP events this week with a guy, Mike, Mike Mattisau. And if you're an old school poker fan, you probably recognize the name. Um, he was one of the red pros over at full tilt back in the day. He's been around for a long time. Mike, the mouth, if you remember that, but dude's kind of gone off his rocker here over the last several years. And Brett, there was just this meltdown that happened and it happened live on stream. So there's video of this and it was just absolutely disgusting what went on here. And, you know, as we try to, you know, move into further regulation and we talk about what these sites can do to help with, you know, growing the fan base and and trying to get people interested in stuff like that. I think outside of just improving the software and making sure that the options are available and different things like that, I think you can also go into making the playing experience a lot better and punishing dudes for crap like what happened yesterday. Yeah, I didn't see this happen. You've got some quotes down here in our in our outline that are pretty. I, I'm not surprised to see him. Mean, we're talking about a guy, Mike the Mouth, who has been doing whatever he can to stay relevant in a game that has passed him by more than a decade ago. Uh, so to see him say these things, which I don't even know if we want to say him on these, this podcast. 
Look, I've stopped paying attention to his antics, even though they still somehow still generate interest with the casual poker fans who don't know any better. But I mean, this is who this is who Mattisau is. So, uh, you know, I, if we're talking about helping grow the game of poker, I feel like this is one of those guys that kind of needs to go away. He's just yeah. and, and whether the, I don't know if this was on Twitch or YouTube, I don't know where he streams his stuff, but like you have to would think it, it. I won't say all of them, but like so what happened is, is he felt that he got slow rolled in a tournament, which anyone who's ever played online poker knows someone might have a five window. They might be playing five tournaments at right. a time. Like, like you, you never know what's going on in, in online poker. And so he felt he got slow rolled. And then the person that did it, he goes, mark that name down. I'll see him in person and I'll knock him the F out. Think that I won't watch. He follows up with, I'll find out who it is. I'll throw them against the wall and tell them I'll knock them the F out if they slow roll me again. He goes on to saying probably one of those crazy leftists that yells black lives matter. And then (laughs) finds out on stream, Brett, that the he that he's talking about is actually a female. That is a, uh, I think a, Maybe like even a maybe even a, a small time pro grinder or something over there in, in New Jersey. I wasn't familiar with the name, but again, you and I are, are not day to day in right. it anymore. So um, but but definitely someone that people knew and he finds out that it's a, a female and doesn't and, and still sits there. Her mommy probably gave her no love and like all these things like that, like going on and on and on with, you know, these just one start out with physical threats and then going into just personal threats and different things like that and whatever. And you have to think that against terms of service on some of these sites, like be it Twitch or YouTube or wherever in the hell he is, he's streaming his, his crazy antics and people, uh, you know, watching him do all this stuff. It has to be uh, against, you know, what they're trying to do as well. I mean, like you can't have a guy live on your platform, threatening to knock people the F out as he put it. And by the way, LOL at Mike Mattis out knocking anybody out. But I mean, like, you know, that's beside the point. Could you imagine him threatening you online and like you and, and all this stuff? Like I actually would have relished that opportunity. I'm kind of unfortunate that it wasn't me that slow rolled him. <laughs> I would actually love this opportunity for him to, to have done that. But, um, but then to find out that it was a female and then he continues on with his rant and stuff like that. I mean, like you said, there, one, there's just no place for for this type of stuff anyway. But like, if it's if this is kind of his shtick or whatever, then yeah, you you got to go away, man. Like like you, you got to go away. You you got to find a way to to end up at one of his tables here, so you can slow roll <laughs> on purpose, and then I we know. can re- then we can watch it in real time. I if you end up at a table, I know you've been playing some WSOP events online. If you ended up at the table with him, you need to text me. Cause I want to see this go down. <laughs> I will. I will. I'll, I'll let you be, I'll let you be able to, to watch this. And the only unfortunate thing is you would have to tune into his stream. So you would actually have to, ah. you'd have to pay attention to his deal and you have to, you'd, you'd give him numbers there and all that. But again, you know, I mean, this basically just goes back to you and I being advocates of all things, you know, legalized gambling and whether it be, whether it be, you know, sports book or casino or, or poker, or whatever it be, and doing all this stuff responsibly. And, What's not responsible is if you maybe the money still means that much to him, like maybe him busting out of that tournament and like, sure I, mean, I don't know, his fine. I don't know his financial situation or whatever, but all, all that. So, like, you know, again, whatever it might be, if, if this is like what's going on, you're not doing it responsibly, obviously, or something like there's there's some some sort of deeper issue here with with all of that. And, you know, that's just no way to go about any of this. So hopefully 
hopefully some action is taken by whatever it might be, either WSOP.com or YouTube or Twitch or whoever in the hell it might be, because that stuff, no place for any of that in poker. And we're trying to grow it, man. We're trying to get online poker in more places in just a couple of states. It's, it's fun. People would enjoy it. You, I know you would love it in New York, Brett. You would love it. Yeah, the talk, the talk just in the last few minutes about playing online while watching football on Sunday. I get, I get excited about these kinds of It's not that far for me to do it. All I have to do is drive down to Pennsylvania, but it's still time out of my day that I wouldn't want to take. It's not, you're not able, you're not able to do it in your underwear on your couch. You know, that is, yeah, that, that is true on your own couch. Uh, and finally, let's talk here a little bit. It is fantasy season. I mean, again, uh, whether whether these seasons are going to happen, we don't know, but we have to just assume they are. So, hey, look, we're heading into baseball season. Fantasy baseball drafts are happening. We're heading into football season. Fantasy football drafts are already happening here. Uh, Brett, people have gone to concerts. I know you've seen it, and they will film a guy singing a, a song, even though the sound quality is horrible because it's filmed on a cell phone with a bunch of people screaming, then people will film fireworks and they will sit there and post it on their social media. As if you give a shit about anything that has to do with like what they're seeing from a firework. Yeah. I've seen a firework before. Cool. And then now there are people on Twitter who are giving you their play by play of every single pick that are happening in whatever draft it might be that they are ha- with no context, no anything as to why they took the pick or why they thought it was a value. Literally just saying, just got blah, blah, blah at 3.05. And then that's the whole tweet. Like, just got this guy at uh, fifth round, 12th pick. That's it. And then there's nothing to it. Guys, stop. Before you hit send, just don't do it. There's no one cares where you got a guy whenever you're giving no context, no anything, nothing going on there. You're just saying you're giving a play-by-play of your fantasy draft. And let me tell you, I'm here to help you out. Nobody cares. Yeah, it's it's fantasy football season. It's also unfollow season on Twitter because I can't <laughs> I can't take it. I, I'll I'll follow these guys back in September when they're actually providing analysis that I care about. But yeah, it, these guys are they're tweeting every single pick they make through this draft. I guess it's this the Scott Fishbowl. I guess he invites like a thousand people to participate in this big league. Which I, by the way, I was not invited to play. I submitted an application. He didn't accept it. So f that guy. Yeah, but seriously, how did we not get accepted? We're going to start our own, the, the Matt Brett Bowl. There it is. We're, we're, Let's do we're, it. We'll start the, yeah, we'll start the all Matt Brett Bowl. I don't have any idea what this, what, what it's all about, but we'll, uh, we'll figure know. it out. And uh, yeah, we'll figure it out and give it a, give it a whirl here. But um, yes, yeah, so before you do all that, guys, look, if you don't have anything to add to it, then just don't do it. Like, I'm fine with analysis. Like, if you're like, hey, I just got blah, blah, blah at this point. And the reason is this. If you add some analysis, you're, you're at least doing somebody some good. No, like, there's it's somebody just like out there. Two, two point three. Joe Mixon or whatever. Like, yeah. that, that's all that's it is. It. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. I know. It's no like, hey, I think that this is going to be great with Burrow coming in and, you know, on, uh, AJ Green coming back. I honestly think that this offense is going to be able to score more touchdowns. Therefore, uh, Mixon's going to get in the end zone a lot more. Even if you just add something like that, that is worth something to someone. Someone might not, you know, be following things as closely and go like, oh, yeah, I forgot AJ Green didn't play last year and whatever. And blah, like, at least you're adding some commentary there. But literally just p- typing your pick and hitting send is no good to anyone. The and when you, and makes, look, I follow so many fantasy football analysts that it's, it's just spamming my timeline because they're all doing the same thing. They are. They they're are. Annoying. They're all doing it. I know. Do we, do we have anything that we've taken though, heading into 
football season here. It's funny that you do mention Mixon, and I gave that little analysis there because actually I kind of believe everything I just said. Like I actually oh, do, so good, dude. I actually do like the Bengals' offense this year. I mean, listen, and this has nothing to do with my LSU bias with Joe Burrow. I think that if you just look at what's going on there, yes, you have a competent quarterback under center, but you also get back one of the premier wide receivers in the league that also is going to be complemented by listen some pretty good little ancillary parts there in that receiving game as well. We think that defense is going to be bad, which means they're going to be playing from behind and throwing all over the place and probably still scoring some points and putting them on the board. And some of those are going to come via Joe Mixon. They're not always going to be on the arm of Joe Burrow and and in the arms of AJ Green. So Brett, I actually, I actually do kind of like Joe Mixon. It's funny that we that, that you pulled him kind of out of out of the air there. I keep drafting him too. So, I mean, that's probably why he was on my brain. I love Joe Mixon this year. And I, I love this offense. I think I've said this on the podcast before. They reminded me of the Jaguars a few years ago when it was Bortles and Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns, and they were terrible, but they scored so many fantasy points because they just threw the entire second half. That could be the Cincinnati Bengals this year. And Mixon, who was an awesome, awesome pass catcher, will probably get a lot of receptions in those scenarios. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm in. That's that's one one of the players I'm really high on this year is Joe Mixon. Yeah, and I think that that is uh, certainly somebody that I'm going to be targeting in that um, I'll take him before you do range. Like people talk about like reaching and it's not necessarily for me. I don't think it's a reach. It's I'm high on that guy and I want to make sure that I get him because I know he is not going to be there for me when it comes back to pick XYZ, whatever it might be, or something like that. So I think there's a difference between a reach where it's like you're just going after someone because you you think you need to have him as opposed to like, no, no, I actually really am I actually really think this Bengals offense is going to be super fantasy friendly. And I would rather take the upside in a mixin than this guy that's probably going to, you know, be there for me, whatever it might be. So I mean I there's basically a difference between a reach and just going after the guy you want. Right. Yeah. And, and if, if it look, if it's it's the it's mixing versus some of the top tier guys like Camara and Barkley and McCaffrey, then no, don't reach for Joe Mixon just because you like him. But yeah, if it's if it comes down to like Mixon versus one of those receivers like Hopkins or Julio Jones or dare I say Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas or Joe Mixon, who do you like more this year? I guess it depends Ooh. on the, the scoring system, but I, I, yeah. I think Mixon is right in there, like middle of the first round type player. I'm with you. And I'm I'm being dead serious. Like I'm actually with you there in that. Like I'm 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 with you when it comes when it comes to that. I mean, a couple of other questions people are going to be wondering as they head into this, and and you and I play in a ton of leagues, so maybe they want our opinion on this or not. How how early do you take a quarterback like Lamar or Mahomes? Because you know, obviously they are the dudes that are head and shoulders above everybody else. So where are you willing? Where are you willing to pull the trigger? So here's here's what I do. I, when I do my my pre-draft rankings, I take those guys out of my player pool because there's there's no there's just no way I will take them. It doesn't matter how hard they, I, I shouldn't say it doesn't matter how far they fall because I mean they could fall like the tenth round hypothetically, and th- then I would take them. But that's not going to happen. I never draft a quarterback. I stream quarterbacks the entire season. So I look at who has a good week week one week two matchup, and I take that quarterback. So that like. Mitchell Trubisky has a great start to the season. He might be my fantasy quarterback week one, week two, and then I move on to the next week and then the next week. That's how I attack quarterback. I never draft a quarterback. I have Colin Kaepernick as my quarterback in one of my leagues right now because I I thought it was funny to draft him, and I have no intention of using a quarterback that would be drafted in like the top 10 rounds. So that's how I attack quarterback. 
Yeah, I I think that I, I take the top guys off of mine more for the fact that like I know I know the leagues I play in, I know the people that I'm with, and I know that there's just no way they're ever gonna be there for when I would be willing to take exactly. them. You know what I'm saying? Like like so I, I know like off the top of my head that Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, those are just like off the top of my head. Those will those guys are never going to be there when I'm picking, right? Yep. Like it's just never going to happen. So like, it's not even worth me doing research on those guys or any kind of anything like that, because it's just not, they're never going to be there. Guys overdraft quarterbacks in my leagues, all, all the big, even the big money league I play in, like the quarterbacks get, get overdraft in that league as well. So I'm kind of like, I I'm going down and I really will. So my kind of research tier will start with like a Matthew Stafford, a Joe Burrow, a Baker Mayfield, like stuff like that, right? Like those are the, like that's where kind of my research tier will start. And then I'll start ranking dudes kind of like down there because I know when it comes down to it, that's probably where I'm going to probably get a quarterback, you know, like that's probably where it's going to come. So do I like Stafford or Mayfield or Burrow or whoever it is better? That, that's probably where I'll end up picking this year, <laughs> you know, in the kind of that tier. Yeah, I just I can't get behind spending any capital on quarterbacks when so many are just they're just all the same. You just have to just pick one that has a better matchup that week and you're going to score more points. The other thing that I have, uh, you know, the the little bit that I will say here guys as we head into to draft season, especially these early drafts, if you're starting to look to kind of do any of these best balls and things like that, um with best ball and and Brad, I know you hadn't played a ton of them, but you started to play them last year a little bit. Uh, just remember you're trying to win this. Like you, you got to win these things. Right. And so drafting, you know, like quote unquote safe players doesn't necessarily always work to your benefit. Like you're it. it and when I say safe players, I'm talking about like later on in the round, obviously Christian McCaffrey safe and he's going to, and you, you want Christian McCaffrey, obviously, you know, Saquon Barkley and, and Alvin Kamara. I'm talking like when you get kind of in that, like, fourth round, fifth round, and you see a name and you're kind of like, well, I know that guy's going to get me, you know, four catches for 40 yards every week. Like that didn't do you really any good whatsoever. So like when you get to that point, you really need to be looking at the dudes that might go one catch for four yards or might go six catches for 130, because that's really the only way you're ever going to win one of these things. And all the money's at the top and finishing second only gets you your buy-in back like for the next year and stuff. So it's like, you, you really just have to play go for broke in these things. And so the quote unquote safe picks are actually just, just killing your team. Yeah. Look for those high, high upside guys who might not give, get a lot of opportunity early, which is going to, bump them down in the draft and you can scoop them up and hopefully by like, I don't know, week three, four, five, they'll be getting a lot of snaps. So especially at the running back position, yeah. like any of those dudes that you think and you hear coming out of camp, like, Oh, he's not going to start. Well, I mean, we know how this all plays out. Right. I mean, yeah. like, yeah. like, uh, you know, for example, you might get word. I mean, like there, there's a decent chance that the word is going to come out of chiefs camp that 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 Clyde Edwards Hilaire is not going to you know quote unquote not going to start for them or whatever. But we understand that by the end, by the middle of the season, if not early in the season, he is going to be their bell cow back. So it's kind of like you, you just draft him because you understand that whatever you might not get two weeks of great production out of him or something like that. But then eventually he's going to be the man. And I, I'm just pulling Clyde out because I understand that there actually is a chance they might say he's not the quote unquote starter or they something have like been that. 
yeah, but we but we know for sure that he that he is going to be, you know. Yeah, they didn't draft him at the end of the first round to have him sit during his. Right. I mean, these are his these are where these are the years you use your running back. You just draft him. He's I mean, he's free. Like, yeah, for yeah. four years, you have him for free. So, yeah. like, you, you run the tires off of him for four years and then and then you trade him in for a new model. I mean, like, just exactly. that's how it works, you know. So, yeah, these are the free years. So just think about all that stuff as you head into draft season, of course, as we. Uh, get a little bit closer here and things start to shake out a little bit more. We'll have kind of some full, full on previews for you and maybe even dedicate a whole podcast to kind of what we're doing from the, from the fantasy aspect as well, guys, all the things we talk about, be sure and head over to the lines and play picks. You can take a look at them there. Lines us on Twitter, play picks us on Twitter. Brett's at Brett Colson. I am at Matt Brown M two as well for Brett. I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.